Uh, good to see all of you here today. Good crowd for a snowy day outside for revival, wasn't it? Angel Steve Young. I want to introduce him though. Uh, if you're not sure who he was, he's been here a couple times or once before. Anyway, looking forward to hearing my brother all week. Uh, evangelist, his family travel all over the country preaching and revivals. A lot of the family revivals like we're having this week and preaching at prayer advances. Just came from Roanoke from preaching the prayer advances, the ladies' prayer advances weekend. We're excited to have. And I, I told him to give me a little bit about himself so I could introduce him. And, and you know, he said, "Brother Young, he wrote this third person, I guess. Brother Young's one of the sharpest dressed." Most well-groomed, most dynamic pre... What would I say, brother? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, but it's good to have with me, uh, with us this week, and I'm looking forward to it, and not only this morning, but every night, my friend, Brother David, you can preach. All right. God bless you all. Good morning. Uh, y'all need to work on spring around here, just so you know. Uh, this, uh, I just, uh, just give you a little heads up there. Pray about it. Somebody needs to get right with God. I don't know. And uh, this is uh, great. I, uh, I, uh, we don't get to see snow very often, and uh, never if we're, we're, you know, right with God. And uh, <laughs> but, uh, what, a, what a blessing to be with you guys, and a joy to be with you again. I'm in Deuteronomy 6 for our first service in this family revival, Deuteronomy 6. I think you can find that if you'll go to the front of your Bible. And uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books in. And I'll give you a moment to find it. Got some announcements for you that I'm going to preach to you. And Pastor said, you're always out by one, so we got plenty of time. And uh, so uh, no hurry this morning. You don't have anywhere to go anyway, and, and uh, it'll be just fine. I won't be too long. I'll be wise about that. But I want you to meet my family, first of all. I have one wife, and uh, we are happily married 25 years in a couple of months. We'll be celebrating. And it's a milestone year for us, and I want you to meet her. This is my sweetheart right here, and uh, my best friend, favorite person in all the world. And uh, that's Bethley Joy, and I hope you'll get to know her. And then uh, right beside her is Charity Noel, and I'd have her stand, but it wouldn't make any difference. But uh, there's Charity, and she's in the fourth grade, and she's nine years old. She's the caboose for now. And, <laughs> and then uh, here's uh, my two boys, two of my three boys. And guys, stand so they can meet you. Matthew's a little bit taller there. Jacob's gaining. And uh, Matthew's a senior. You can make them feel welcome. Matthew's a senior, graduating here in the month of May, Lord willing, and I headed to Bible college this fall, at least for a year, just to seek the Lord's will, and then Jacob is a freshman, and these two boys will be starting a children's revival service tonight, we'll dismiss when I stand to preach, and so bring your boys and girls, when I get up to preach, we'll send the boys and girls out while we're finding our text, and they'll head out to a special service, they're going to be studying, while we're studying in here, the Word of God, they're going to be studying the life of John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was a slave trader, and quite a story there. Boys and girls, look forward to that, moms and dads. Uh, they'll be uh, having some prizes and some games and some fun, but the uh, primary focus of that is to hear the Word of God and to learn it. And so uh, bring people with you. Invite people to come. Uh, though what we've found is in our family revivals is that more people are apt to come to a family revival than just an ordinary one. And the reason being is because the homes are in such a mess today, people want help. And I do believe with all of my heart that the Word of God helps. Do you believe that? And uh, it's our answer. I was thinking about that song. It was a nice song, wasn't it? God bless them. Great song. But can I tell you something? That song is foreign. The truth of that song is foreign to almost everybody, including the church. 
What do you mean a family Bible read in the house? I wouldn't try to be mean at all this morning, but if I ask you to stand, uh, and, and if you've read the Bible to your family any time in the last seven days to stand, why, most of us couldn't do it. Come on, don't get too quiet on me. It makes me nervous. My point being, we love those old songs, and they made a difference in days gone by, those truths. We're not living them. We'd love to have what they had, but you can't have what they had unless you're willing to do what they did to get what they had. And here's a revival week, and I'm preaching on the family. I hope you'll come every service, come every service. Well, I'm single. Well, you ought to come because God could change that. You ought to come. Sign up for eHarmony.com and find yourself a good one. <laughs> my father-in-law just went to heaven a few months ago, and, and a friend of ours at the funeral said to my mother-in-law, you going to sign up for eHarmony.com? And I couldn't believe he said that to her. And God bless her. I don't think she's going to do it again, but I told her if you do, make it wealthy. And uh, marry a wealthy one the next time around, that'd be great. God knows about your family. Really, in a family revival, there's three things that ought to happen, and uh, they'll be unique to you. Some of you just need encouragement because you really are on the right track. And you're doing well. And I want to encourage you to stay on the right track. That's why we're going to have this meeting. Some of you, and I say it gently, need correction. This Hollywood's got a greater influence in your children's life than just Christianity. We need to correct some things if we're going to have a Christian home, and some of you don't know what to do. you got a situation. I had a lady yesterday. I was at the ladies' prayer advance up in Roanoke with her Harold Vaughn. And yesterday, a lady, and she told me that her grandparents go to your church, so they're probably seated here. And she said, uh, Brother Young, she said, I, uh, I'm going to try to drive down one night because I need some help. She said, I need some help because we have a blended family. Meaning, uh, I, I got his kids, and he's got my kids, and uh, his kids have a different mommy, and my kids have a different daddy. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. How do you put together a blended family and make it a Christian family? Some of your grandparents don't know what to do because your kids aren't well. Your kids aren't well. Some of your grandparents in this room, you've been in church all your life, but your kids aren't. You don't know what to do. God's Word's going to give you some direction this week as a grandparent. I hope you'll come to every service. And you're burdened about your grandkids. What am I going to do about my grandkids? They're not well. They don't even know the Lord. And they claim to know the Lord, but it doesn't make any difference in their life. Then you need to come every night. Come every night and come at 7. I heard that. I made a mental note of that because last week I thought Monday night was at 7 and it was at 6.30. That makes a big difference, you know. And uh, so uh, luckily I was dressed a little early and realized, why is everybody here so early? And they said, well, we're starting. And they did. I said, Praise God, I'm ready. And uh, I, I know the Lord's going to work in your heart, so you let him. Today, two services today, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy 6 all day. One of the top family passages in the Old Testament is the one we're going to read today. I'd urge you this week, if, uh, if you could at all this week, read Deuteronomy 6 every day. Uh, just one chapter, it's 25 verses, it won't take you long, but I want to challenge you to read it every day. Read it every day during this family revival. It's a tremendous family text. And would, would you permit me to read all 25 verses? Is that okay? Uh, we're, we're in church today. We believe the Bible, don't we? Do you all believe the Bible? So let's, uh, let's uh, read the Word of God. And I'll, I know uh, I'll let you be seated since it's a long passage. Is that okay? And do I need to make you stand? Are you all awake? Will you stay awake if I let you read seated? 
Because if you go to sleep on me, I'm going to be offended, and I'll preach two hours. So you better stay awake. All right. So here we are, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Stop right there and catch that phrase I emphasize. Here's what God's concerned about in this revival. He's concerned about you. You. Did you catch that first one? Thou is our modern English word, you. How many of you are here today? Let me see your hand if you're here. Come on. I'm waiting. you got to get here. Come on. How many of you? Wave, wave your hand if you're here. This is about you. You say, oh, Brother Young, I don't even go to this church. I know, but this is about you. Uh, Brother Young, I, I, don't, I don't know what to think. Well, I, you may not, but this is about you. God's interested in you. And how many of you uh, are, are married and have a family? Let me see your hands. You have a family. Raise your hand. Good night. If you have children. All right? Wonderful to have children, isn't it? <laughs> I got one amen. <laughs> Guess we need this family revival worse than we thought. God's interested in you, and He's interested in your children. He's interested in your kids. And notice He said, and your son's son. He's not only interested in you and your children, He's interested in your grandchildren. How many of you have grandchildren? Let me see your hand. How many of you like your grandkids better than your kids? No, no surprise there. Notice what God's telling us here. He's interested in you and your children and your grandchildren. Every person in this room is responsible in the sight of God for you. But also for your children. Daddies, the Bible especially addresses me and you. Every man in this room, we men are going to stand before the God of the universe and give an account for our families. Our children. Ladies, that's not to overlook you, but especially we who are men ought to take note because the Bible addresses us a lot. And then we're responsible for our grandchildren. I have three kids here. I've got two more that are in college. They're not here. Abby's graduating college in a few days. And Joshua will be a, he's a junior. He'll be a senior in college this fall in Bible college. So I got five kids. God's interested in my five kids and the job I do in training them. And He's also interested in the children they will someday have. Are you aware of that? And God's plan for me and you is that we succeed so well in our own life and in our children's lives that our grandchildren are well spiritually. That's God's plan. Let me ask you a question. How often do we fail that? A lot. You know the only thing the church has to do to get bigger in every generation is to reach the families. It's all they got to do. And almost no church does it. What do churches do? They start, they grow, they die. Little old church down in Dixon's Mills, Alabama. We were preaching a revival, and there's a Methodist church across the street. I said to the pastor, how's, how's that old church doing? Oh, he said, not well. They're closing the doors. I said, why? I said, there's only three people left. Only three. Now, maybe there's some story part that I don't know. 
Maybe their families all love the Lord but live somewhere else. I, I understand there's all kinds of things we may not understand. But you know, the fact of the matter is, very few churches continue to get larger in every generation because of the home. But that's God's plan. Wouldn't it be great if all five of my kids grew up and married a godly Christian spouse? Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't you be thrilled about that as a parent? And wouldn't it be great if Bethany and I succeeded so much with our children that our kids had wonderful Christian marriages of their own and all of our grandchildren loved the Lord and served Him? Would, would you be okay with that if that were your family? Sure you would. Praise God if your family's well. Now if there's not, we're having revival and God's going to tell you how to make it well. That's why we're having this. But this is God's ideal, that I will succeed in my home in such a way in my life that I can impact my children for God and my grandchildren someday. Just think about the logistics of that. If my five kids had five kids of their own, how many grandkids am I going to have? 25. Isn't that incredible? 25 grandchildren. We won't have much of a Christmas, but it'll be loud. Isn't that right? What if we succeeded so well with our children, they did well, and their grandchildren did well spiritually? All 25 of my grandchildren got married, had wonderful Christian families, had five kids of their own. How many great-grandkids would I have? 125. That's bigger than some churches that are meeting right now in my family alone. I ask you a question, Daddy. You ever thought of your influence? Is that important? Does it matter whether or not you walk with God and love God and stay in church and do right? Does it matter whether or not you're reading a family Bible? Does it matter whether or not you pray? Does it matter whether or not you fast and give and cry and walk with God? Does it matter? Better believe it. It matters to God. It ought to matter to you. Your Family needs it. Here's what the Bible is going to tell us how. How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we do it? Here it is. Here it is. In verse 3, let's pick it up. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that's what I want, and that she may increase mightily, that's what I want, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Here, O Israel, verse 4 says, The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Verse 10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou uh, diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and are full. And be full. Let me ask you a question. Are you full? Now chew on that just a minute. We're blessed. Aren't we? 
When you are blessed, he said, verse 12, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Now watch this. I, I, I'm going to read some more in a moment, but watch this. Some people misunderstand. What in the world is this God? This, is he some kind of petty God? Not at all. Not at all. The reason God's bothered when they turned away is because he can no longer bless them. This is about God. Jealousy. God's jealousy is about his goodness. The reason it matters to God whether or not you walk with him and serve him and live for him is because his way is best and he wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your whole. He wants it to be well with you. He wants your kids to do well and there to be joy and victory and peace and power and happiness and favor and blessings and success in your life. God wants to do that for you, but He cannot and will not if you're serving other gods. See, we, our generation, you go on YouTube, ridicule, oh, this Christian God's this angry, petty, jealous God. This Christian God is a loving, good God who wants to give you His blessings and favor. And if you meet the qualifications, He will. And let me tell you, when He gives you His blessings and favor, you'll shout all the way to your grave thanking God for it. Do you know it's a great thing to have a happy marriage? Y'all got to wake up and help me. We're going to be here a long time. It's a great thing to have a happy marriage, isn't it? That doesn't happen by accident. That happens by God's blessings. It's a wonderful thing to have a Christian family. It's a wonderful thing. There's some things we can't do. You better believe it. There's some places we don't go. Yep. Some words we don't say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's limitations. But I'm telling you, joy, victory, peace, favor, happiness, blessings worth having so God wants to bless you he's a jealous God because he can't bless you if you're not doing well let's read a little bit further we're about done now we're about done with the reading verse 16 ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee Verse 18 says, Thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying... What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son... We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. 
And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. That's Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 25. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now look at that last verse for just a moment, would you? Look at verse 25, and let me ask you a question. Verse 25, it shall be our righteousness. How many of you agree that we are living in an unrighteous, ungodly generation? Who would have ever thought we'd be dealing with some of the issues we're dealing with? Really, do you ever just, you ever just turn the news on and think to yourself, what in the world? What are we going to come up with next? What are we going to try next? What are we going to do next? Everybody in every church in America would say, this is an unrighteous hour. And yet there is a, a verse in your Bible that says this, Righteousness exalteth a nation. How many of y'all believe that's true? Do you believe that's true? Do you know who the key to that is? It's not who's sitting in the president's seat. It's me and you. Because when we are right with God in the home, you know what the Bible says? It shall be our righteousness. You can vote however you want to vote. But until we have revival in the homes of America, it will make no difference how you vote. It won't. You can't pass enough laws to change, can I say this gently, stupidity. You can't pass enough laws to overcome our failures as moms and dads. But there's a God in heaven that can change us. Can I ask you a few questions? Do you want a godly home? Now think about that because maybe you can't answer. Do you want a godly home? Do you want, do you want things to be well in your marriage, your children, and with your grandchildren? Do you really want that? Are you uh, willing to take steps to get there? How many of you ever said this? You ever said this? I need to lose some weight. How many of you ever said? You ever said, man, I, I think I need to lose some weight. I, I, I know I'm meddling, but I'm going somewhere with it. It's amazing. Every year, January 1st rolls around, and America is full of people whose goal for the new year, I'm going to lose some weight. And America is full of people who never do it. Can I get an amen? Why? Why is it that every year we say, I'm going to lose weight this year, and every year we fail? Now, really, really, there's all kinds of reasons. And one is, because, brother, we are so blessed we have biscuits and gravy. I heard one comedian say, you ever heard that sign, or that, that saying, the South's going to rise again? He said, not a chance, three words, biscuits and gravy. He said, they can't even get up from the table, let alone rise again. And being a southerner, I had to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is on target there. But you know, here's the reason people don't lose weight. The reason people don't lose weight is because it takes a lot of steps. We Americans, we Americans like this. Boom, we want it now. Want my coffee right now? Push that little Keurig button. Zoop, my coffee's out. Praise God, I'm ready to go. 
We love microwave ovens. Get me, I can put that in there, push that little button, and I, I mean, and just blow up my food hot just like that right there. Praise God, we're ready to go. Right? We love instant. I'm going to tell you something about losing weight. The reason we don't lose weight is because losing weight takes time. This takes a ton of time. And we don't, we don't want to take the time. A New Year's resolution, we want it to happen next week. And the thing is, it's not going to happen next week. It's going to happen a year from now. As I take one step now and one step tomorrow and one step the next day and another step and I take 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 another step and I do it over the long haul, what I find out is then I, I could lose the weight that I wanted to lose in my New Year's resolution. And here's one of the massive failures if we're not careful about the family. We want to go to an altar. God bless you. You should. We want to run to an altar and get on our knees and it's done. Like, like a friend of mine said, uh, Davey said, uh, he had a newborn baby. He said, Dave, I haven't slept in six weeks. He said, I don't know if I can do this or not. I said, because uh, I have the gift of encouragement. I said, uh, hang in there, buddy. It'll get better. About 18 or 19 years, he'll move out. <laughs> Just give it 19 years and it'll be fine. Your, your, your dad like mine, my dad, my dad says, sometimes, my dad will go to Walmart and he'll see a kid out of control. You ever gone to Walmart and seen a kid out of control? Okay. My dad will famously say in our family, I'd like about five minutes for that kid. How many of you have a dad like mine? You have a dad like mine? I'd like about five minutes for that kid. Now, I know what my dad means, but I want to tell you something. He's wrong. You know why? Because nobody has ever raised a child in five minutes. I want to tell you, you're not going to have a godly home just because you come to an altar this week, but are you willing to take the steps over the lifetime of your family to develop the home that God promises to bless? Are you willing to examine your life these next four or five days? Say, God, what do I need to change? What do I need to add? What do I need to subtract? What do I need to multiply? What do I need to take out? What do I need to give up? Where do I need to alter? What have I got to do? Deuteronomy 6 is loaded with seven vital steps you have to take. I'll give you three this morning and four tonight. All right? So here they are. Let's start in Deuteronomy 6, and here's the first one. Number one. The first few verses teach us that you have to take this step. Know God fearfully. You have to know God fearfully. Did you catch that? He says in verse 2, that thou mightest fear the Lord. There's a little word there. How many of you have your Bible? Do you have your Bible? Look in verse 2, and I want you to say a little word. It's got three letters. It's, it's right after the word Lord. When I get there, you say this word out loud. That thou mightest fear the Lord Thy, everybody say it, everybody say it, that thou mightest fear the Lord, thy God. Notice that God is assuming in this passage that he's their God. Now I want to stop right here on Sunday morning service. Do you know God, for, do you know God first of all as your God? In other, words, in other words, have you been born again the Bible way through Jesus Christ who died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead? 
Has there been a definite time in your life that you were a sinner on the road to hell and you couldn't save yourself? And if you'd have died in that condition, you'd be burning in hell even this very moment. But you heard about Jesus. He died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And you turn from your direction and you turn to Jesus Christ by faith and you were saved. You were born again. Your sins were forgiven. You became a child of God. How certain are you that you are saved the Bible way? Are you certain enough that you'd be willing to stand before God today and say, God, you have to let me into heaven because according to what your word says, I've been born again and I'm a child of God and I know it. Is it just a little situation? Yeah, I think I had a little experience. I had a buddy in high school call me one day and he said, I got saved. I said, tell me about it. He said, I was in church this morning and it was on. That's what he said. I was in church this morning and it was on. Next thing I knew, he said, I felt like the Holy Ghost was doing laps in that building. I don't know. I got there. I found myself up at the front on my face crying. I got saved. Now I'm going to say something gently. Did he? Well, if a Catholic's in his Catholic service crying, did he get saved? Is that what salvation is? I cried in the service and I, I felt better. I said gently. You don't go to heaven because you cry in a service and feel better. There's got to be a definite time in your life that you understand I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm on the road to hell. And if God doesn't do something in my life to forgive my sins and give me eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ, there's no hope for me. Have you been born again? You see, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Him. Jesus is the door. He said, by me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. There's one God. There's one mediator, one way between God and men. And that's the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Have you been saved through Jesus Christ? That's what I'm asking. Has there been a time you said, God, I'm, a, I'm on the road to hell. I'm a sinner, and I don't want to go to hell. God, I'm, I'm changing. I'm, I'm turning from that. I'm turning to Jesus. He died for my sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Be my Savior. You don't have to say my words. But if you didn't get to Jesus, if you didn't trust Jesus, if you didn't turn to Jesus, if you didn't believe on Jesus, if you weren't born again through trusting Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection to save you, then you need to. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou... That word believe means trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So my first question in this first point is, is he your God? And if he is, do you fear him? Here's the first step to a godly family. You've got to know God fearfully. That's a weird, weird word. Fear the Lord your God. Isn't that a weird word for our American thinking? It's a Bible word. 
The fear of the Lord is the, do you know, beginning of wisdom. We know the word. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a job? Why do you go to work? Why do you go to work? How many of you have a certain time you have to be at work? Miss Sheehan, you have a certain time. Why do you go to work on time? Now, this is a silly way to say it. Here's the reason people go to work on time. Because they're afraid they'll lose their job if they don't. Is that fair? Why do you go to work on time? Because if you don't, you're afraid you lose your job. Is that, is that possible to lose your job if you don't go to work on time? It is. Has is, is there, is there ever been something that... Uh, you would do if you could get by with it, but you don't do it because you're afraid you'll get caught. Remember when you were a kid? Did you ever, did you ever refrain from something because you were afraid if you did it, you'd get caught? Yeah, that's fear. I, 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 I never did it because I knew if, I, if I'd have gotten caught doing that, I'd have had to meet Jesus that day. I was afraid. I was afraid. That's, that's the word fear. Somebody... You know, some people, some people are big talkers. You ever been around a guy that's a big talker? Uh, we Southerners, we Southerners sometimes are big talkers. I could take you, buddy. We're big talkers. And uh, my, my, my brother's a bit that way. My brother, he's, and he's pretty strong. He's, he's, uh, he's a hard-working young man. He's younger than I am, and he's strong as a mule. And, and, uh, and, and just a guy, guy's, he's, 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 he's a very strong young man. But he's a big talker. Don't you miss him? He's all tear into you. You know, there are some people you don't say that to. There are some people you don't say that to. It's just something you don't, you don't walk up to some people and go, you mess with me, I'll knock you out. Six foot two, weighs 230 pounds, solid muscle. You'll get whipped. It's important to know fear. And in the Bible, fear has two angles to it. The first one is reverence. Part of this word's meaning, fear the Lord, is reverence, and part of it is scared to death. The idea of reverence is this. The idea of reverence is, is when you're standing at the Grand Canyon in northern Arizona, and it's one mile across, and it's one mile, or 11 miles across, and one mile deep, and it's absolutely startling. It's massive. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's, it's, um, it, it's awe-inspiring. You, know, you, you can't describe it. You stand at the Grand Canyon, and you, you, you can't explain it. If you've never been there, you can see a picture that doesn't do it justice. You can't, all you can do is just stand there in reverence. Wow. In awe. The, the idea of reverence is, uh, is to be shocked to the point of, of, of there's nothing to say. Like, Do you remember... You remember the day that, September the 11th, 2001, wasn't it? When we turn on our televisions, planes are flying into World Trade Center. You know what we did that day? We did this. What do you say? We don't, to, we don't know what to say. For once, our government officials didn't know what to say. They actually prayed, sang songs in unity. Because all they could do was this. Do you know God reverently? Is God so real in your life? 
that you stand in awe? That it affects your life? There's things you don't do because you're afraid of God? See, some of you, you, you wouldn't dare miss work because you're afraid you'll get fired. I'm going to say this gently. But you'll miss church. Because you are more afraid of getting fired than you are afraid of getting judged by a holy God. We've got to work on this first one. Literally some fear in our life. Teenagers, when the Bible says that strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, you better take note and you better have a little fear of alcohol because it will bring the judgment of God in your life. And what, what may be a little party after school at somebody's house, nobody will be laughing 25 years from now when it's ruling your life and damaging your marriage and your children hate you because of the person alcohol has turned you into. You see, God's way demands fear. Know God fearfully. How much reverence do you have for God, Daddy? How much reverence, Mom, do you have for God? We don't have much reverence for God when our life is filled with a steady diet of godless music in a Christian family. I, I know. The Bible doesn't say a lot about music, but you've got a brain, you've got a Bible. Are we really, 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 really pleasing God when our homes are steadily filled with rock and roll and 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 Country music even. Sometimes country music songs are no big deal. Just a little song. Years ago I heard one. and I laugh. I laugh about it to this day. It's, I don't even know who it was. Never heard the song since. But I was flipping through my radio stations on my truck and came across a country music station. I was in Arizona. This guy was singing it. And his song was about There Goes the Neighborhood. And I, I, that picked my, uh, piqued my interest because my mom used to say that all the time. My mom would look out the window. And those kids go running up the road in their car, and she'd go, there goes the neighborhood. And so that song kind of caught my attention. And the guy says in his song something about his next-door neighbor. His next-door neighbor came home from work and brought flowers home to his wife. And he said, now my wife's going to expect me to do that, and there goes the neighborhood. It's a funny song. See, sometimes they're no big deal. But you know, when you've got a steady diet of songs about somebody dancing with somebody else's wife, running around with somebody else's wife, running down to the beer joint and parking in a field somewhere with some teenage girl that he's not married to, I am telling you, you have no fear of God. When you and I sit in our living rooms and we're entertained by a steady diet of sewage straight out of hell, we have no fear of God. And here's what Moses said to the children of Israel. You want to have a godly home? You want it to be well in your life and in your children's life and in your children's children's life, then here's what you've got to do. You've got to know God fearfully. Are we okay so far? Can I move on or do I need to park here a little longer? We got this first one? So here's the second step. Step number two. I'm almost done now. It won't be long. Step number two is I've got to keep God first. He says, first of all, know God fearfully, serve the Lord, and fear the Lord your God, and, and obey the Lord your God because you fear Him. And then you get to verse 4. He says in verse 4, a very important verse to the Jewish nation, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
The Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. The Jewish people, the very very conservative Orthodox Jews, would wear phylacteries, they called them. They, they would... Uh, they would hang verses on a part of their, their face and, and they'd hang verses around, they'd put on these little scrolls and wear scrolls around their wrists like you might, might wear a bracelet. And this is the verse that they would always have on one of those little scrolls. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. It's a theological statement that says there is no other God. He's the only God. He is our God, the God, the Lord our God. It's a theological statement. But this theological statement has a practical side to it. And the practical side to the theological statement is that God ought to be first in our lives. Our job shouldn't be our God. Our money shouldn't be our God. Our hobbies shouldn't be our God. God should be first. Now let's just park on that just a moment. Nobody here but us. Is God first in our life? Is God first in your life, sir? You say you're saved. You say you're Christian. It's a family revival. Any priorities in your life that would say God is first? Jesus said, set your affection on things above. Paul said, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and thieves do not break through nor steal. Priorities. See, see, see. If church isn't a priority in my life, would it be safe to assume God's not first? Uh, our, our, our group just saying that old family Bible read around the table. Praise God for those who've had a family Bible read to them around the table. But if in your home the Bible's never read, would it be safe to assume God's not first? don't remember the last time we had family prayer. God's not first. We don't tithe, don't give. God's not first in our finances. Think of it like this. When's the last time you did something that proved to your wife and children or your husband and children, when's the last time you did something that proved to your family that God was first? You turned off a television because somebody took God's name in vain. God's first in this home. We're not watching that show because they're laughing about adultery. I'm not buying some book on 50 shades of stupidity because God's first. Am I making sense? Is God first? Is God first? When's the last time you prayed about a purchase? Lord, should I buy this car? You're first. Will it honor you if I buy this car? Is this what you want from me or should I buy an older one cheaper? Should I go in debt for this? Are you first? Is God first? Do you have any evidence at all that God is first? Your finances? Your entertainment, 
I don't think it's wrong to have a television, but if you don't remember the last time you turned off that television because you were offended as a Christian, it might be that God's not first. What would cause you to miss church? Hunting season? Well, my, my wife's daddy's in heaven now, and he was an avid hunter. When I said, can I marry your daughter? He said, do you hunt? Wasn't quite, but it was important to him. He, he'd take me hunting. I loved Dad Dennis. Bought me guns. He'd watch those hunting videos. Those are some of the most boring things that have ever been invented by mankind. And yet he loved them. Come here, boys, watch this. Look at this, look at this. And I love those hunting videos. You know the guy's whispering? Right there's a big one right there. And they always talk like we do here in the mountains. Right there's a big one right there. There's a big one right there. And he goes, kaboom! And now that big one's on the ground, but they keep whispering. I think you got it. I think you got it. Like he's dead now, young talk. Honestly, my dad loved those. Bethlehem's dad loved those hunting videos. Hunting was huge to him. Never missed church for hunting. Never. He'd go on hunting trips. He's a pastor. He'd leave. He'd go on a hunting trip. And if he, was in his, if, he, if he were in his hunting clothes, church time, he'd go to church in his hunting clothes. Because church was a priority. Well, you moms and dads have to decide what you're going to do even about sports, aren't you? We're living in a generation to where the church no longer has influence in the sports schedules of our world. So if God's going to be first, some of you are going to have to say, sorry, you can't play. That's brutal for our generation. It might be that if you're going away on a Sunday morning to a tournament somewhere else and you've got to miss your church, that you get your family out of bed at 7 a.m. and find an early service somewhere at 8 a.m. and you're in church on that Sunday morning before you go to that ball game. At least that. Is God first? Step number three. Y'all looking worried, so I'm going to move on clothes before I get in trouble. Know God fearfully, keep God first. And here's step number three. It's in verse five. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Love God fervently. How many of you, as far as you know, are saved? And here's a big one. Love God fervently. You want to have a Christian home, you've got to love God fervently. You know what we do? We go to church. We go to church all the time. Don't we, kids? How many times have I preached this week? Goodness, I don't know. Last Sunday morning, I was in Columbus, North Carolina. I preached all day in Columbus. I preached all day Monday. I preached Tuesday. I preached Wednesday. We rapidly drove here to Hillsville and dropped that RV Thursday morning, hit the road, drove up to Roanoke. I preached at 1.30. My wife spoke to the ladies. And then yesterday, all day Friday, all day Friday. I mean, we were there all day Friday. And I preached in the morning, and then we did a session in the afternoon, and I preached that night, and, and then I preached, you know, yesterday morning, and, and then I drove back down here, and I'm preaching. We go to church all the time. I don't know how many parents will say to me, daddies have said to me, well, no, we don't go to church on Sunday night because that's our family night. Here's what I always say. It's ours too. That's why we go to church on Sunday night. See, that's our family night. And see, here's, here's the whole deal. When the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, what he's talking about is that you serve God joyfully because you love him. See, here's, here's how you can look at Christianity. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Got to go to church Sunday night for crying out loud. It's my only night. I got to go to church. Well, what are you going to do if you don't? Well, stay home, watch TV. Well, doesn't that help you? 
Helps you to relax. My goodness, your blood pressure is so low. No problems in this generation. We're so relaxed because we're chilling at home on a Sunday night. Now, I'm being a little silly here, obviously. But you know what the whole deal is? We can look at Sunday night and say, ah, oh, we can sit in this great. I love the Lord. We're going to church. So we even talk to each other on the way to church. We laugh, listen to music. We go to church on Sunday night, enjoy the service. We sit up front. We always sit up front in our church. I do on purpose. I get as close as I can, and I try to be a blessing to the preacher. I still don't know if y'all know this or not, but preaching is hard. And it's even harder when people look at you like this. You, know, it's just a, you, 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 ever, you ever been to a you ever been to an all black church? And the, the service goes for two and a half hours, and they love it. I'll tell you why it goes for two and a half hours. I, my wife and I were in one in, in California one Sunday morning, and we were the only only Caucasians in this uh, uh, auditorium, and we're sitting on the front row, and, and the guy gets to preach it, and it was a good sermon. The guy gets to preach it. You know what the people did to him? He starts preaching, and they're like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. And the longer he preached, the more they cheered him on. Now, I'm, I'm being a little silly this morning about this, but you know what? A lot of times we, well, the reason we hate church is when we go to church. Instead of going to church and loving God. Going to church and loving God. We, we, we party after church on Sunday night. It's family night. We go get pizza. Or Beth, they throw something in the crock pot and we go home and have, you know, I don't know, roast beef sandwiches or something. We always watch a film on Sunday night. We're, we're independent Baptists, so we're spiritual, so we don't watch movies. We watch films. <laughs> see, we're just having fun serving the Lord. You want to have a godly home? You got to pick it up. You got to pick it up and love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Yes, there's some things we can't wear. So we can spend the rest of our life going, oh, my word, you can't wear nothing when you're a child of God. Or you go, isn't this great? Praise God. I got God's blessings in my life, and I get to dress modestly. Isn't that, isn't that a difference? You want to have a godly family? Then you got to pick it up and serve the Lord happily. you got to love the Lord. you got to come to church and sit on the end of your seat and say, amen, come on, preacher. Get yourself a hanky and start waving it at him. Love the Lord. Say, we just don't do that because we're Baptist. Well, change it. Change it. You don't have to wave a hanky, but sit on the end of your seat. Nod your head. Take notes. Smile. Love the Lord. And yes, you may have to turn something off on your television, but don't do it. Like, All right, fine. We're Christian. We're going to watch it. We say, hey, man, we love the Lord, so we can't watch that, kids. Man, God, we don't want God's judgment. We want God's blessings. We're going to watch that. You see the difference in that? Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Put Him first in your life. Fear Him and serve Him out of reverence and fear. Why? Why is this important? Well, because God wants our life to be miserable. That's why. Not on your life at all. The reason God says these things to us in this passage is not so you and I can hunker down and go, okay, fine, He's nailing my hide to the wall. 
And so God says, look, here's how I want you to live. You know why I want you to live that way? Because i got a plan for your life, and I want to bless your children, and I want to bless your grandchildren, and I want to bless your church, and I want to give you peace and joy and victory and favor and grace and mercy and long-suffering. I want to be good in your life, and if you'll follow my plan, I will pour out my blessings in your life, and you will walk to your funeral someday with joy, knowing that God has blessed my life and my marriage and my family. And I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough money in the world to buy that. There's not a wealthy, there is not a man wealthy enough in the United States of America to purchase the blessings of God. But anybody in this room that he can have them, if you'll get on this path, you'll get on this path, you'll know God fearfully. There's a time to step back and say, I better not do that. It'll bring God's judgment. I've got to change some things because God can't bless me. Know God fearfully. Put God first. Okay, Lord. I'm going to go to church. Faithfully. I'm going to go to church. My daddy, mom went to a revival service. It's a tent revival. Heard the word of God. We're convicted by it. Walked out of that tent revival and got in the car. I was in the back seat with my brother and sister. And on the way home, my daddy said to my mom, they're mountain people, quiet, reserved, not big talkers. My dad said to my mom, Bobby, she said, yeah. He said, we're going to have to get back in church. My mama said, yeah. That was it. But they did. They started serving God again, putting God first. Doesn't mean our family was perfect. But because of some steps my mom and dad started taking, this guy got saved. This guy gave his life to Jesus. This guy married a Christian girl. This guy has five kids that are saved. This guy has two kids in Bible college. This guy has one that's going for a year just to see if that's what God wants for him. Don't you think we're weird? We're having the time of our lives. I get to drive a Dodge Ram pickup. <laughs> and a Honda minivan. If you saw my bank account, you wouldn't be impressed at all. But if you saw the treasures that I have in heaven, you would line up for that. I'm not wealthy, but I'm having the time of my life. We're not having to walk away from God to have it. We're having it as we're serving the Lord. we got great friends. All of our needs are met. We eat well. we got joy. we got victory. we got peace. we got happiness. All's well. See, God wants to bless you, church. I'm not saying what I'm saying this morning to be hard on you. I'm saying what I'm saying this morning to tell you 
God's interested in you and your home and your grandchildren. And if you'll get on the path, get on the path, get, start taking some steps, there's a God in heaven that'll bless your home. And I'll tell you what, you will be glad when he does. Nobody but us. How many of you would say, hey, David, brother Dave, I, I'm going to have to tell you, God certainly put his finger on at least one or two areas of my life, and I sense some conviction about it. I, I already know some things I ought to pray about in this family revival. How many of you just be flat out honest in front of church and everybody just raise your hand and say, it's true, it's true, I must have to be honest, it's true. God bless you. How many of you in the service would say, um, hey, Dave, um, I, I'm listening to you preach, and, and I'd love to have it, but I'm just going to be honest with you. It, it would take such a miracle. I don't know that I have the faith that even God could do that. The situation in our home and in our family, in my marriage or whatever, would take such a miracle that I've I, I got to be honest and tell you that I, I, I hesitate. I, I, I don't know. I'd love it if God did it, but it almost seems beyond possibility. Beyond the possible. But I'm willing to let you pray about it. Would you pray about our impossible situation? Anybody here like that? Anybody here? Okay, my brother. Yes, ma'am. Several others there. God bless you. Some of you have an impossibility, but you won't raise your hand because you're, you're, you're not, you're just, it's just, first of all, it's embarrassing maybe, or maybe you're like, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know that it can happen. But here's what I want you to know. God is almighty. He still answers prayer. He still blesses when you take right steps. So at least seek him about it. At least cry out to him. At least start taking steps. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Your Bible says that. Say, but my grandkids are so far gone. I don't know that there's hope. There is hope because the Bible is true and God's still alive and the Spirit still works. Don't you walk out of here discouraged and say, there's no way we can have that kind of family. There is a way you can have that kind of family. And the Bible is full of stories of people who didn't have it, but God helped them to get there. And God did miracles in their life. And God can do miracles in yours. You need a miracle? You can kneel at this altar today and ask God for a miracle because I serve a miracle-working God. You need to make some steps in your marriage, in your family, your home. Don't walk out discouraged and down. Walk out of here saying, Lord, I want those blessings, so I'm willing to try. You lead me to the first step I ought to take, and I'll take it. And it may be. I got to go all the way back to my introduction. You're not sure that you're on your way to heaven. But you want Jesus in your life. You do. You want Jesus. You want to be saved. You want to be born again. You want to have eternal life. It's five minutes to 12, and we need to close. If you don't know you're going to heaven, and you'd like to know you're going to heaven, I'm going to stand here in front of this flower arrangement. And If you'd like Jesus Christ to save you, you want to be born again, you want to walk out of here today knowing God on your way to heaven, church, I hope you'll pray. I hope some of you will kneel at these altars and ask God for a miracle in your family because you need it. I hope some of you daddies will get on your knees maybe at your seat and say, God, you've got to help me take the right step because I don't know what to do, but if you'll help me, I'll try. Maybe you just need to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to come back. And if there's any hope for my family, you show me this week. I don't know what you need to do, but I'm telling you, this is the house of prayer. My house, Jesus said, shall be called the house of what? A prayer. So you need to pray. Get to God. He's a prayer answering God. And, and get on your knees all over the building. Get on your, If you need to be saved, meet me right here.
I'd be more than happy to help you to know that you're going to heaven. And somebody in this room, it's time. You've put it off a long time. You know you ought to be saved. You've known you ought to be saved. And you've said no about it. You've said no about it. You've put it off. And you've got all kinds of reasons. But it's high time that you drop those reasons and you get to Jesus. And lightning won't flash and thunder will not roll. And you probably won't get a standing ovation. But if you'll come here this morning, I'll pray with you. And you can be on your way to heaven and you can know it. Let's stand together. Would you stand together? Would stand with me? My, my Bethany Joy is going to come to the piano and play just as I am. That's how God wants us. Just as I am. Bow your head, close your eyes. Don't even wait for it to start playing. You need an altar? Then make your way to an altar, would you? You want to pray about your kids, your grandkids, your marriage? Come on, come on, come on. Make an altar, make an altar. At least get to God if you want to be saved. She's going to start playing. You come on, you meet me right here. Let Jesus move into your life today. and Forgive your sin. Save you, rescue you. Would you come to Jesus, sir, ma'am? I'll turn the mic off. I won't embarrass you. Come to Jesus. Praise God for men that are kneeling. Praise God for you dads, you husbands. God bless you, you grandfathers. There's hope for your situation. There's hope for your situation. Some of you teenagers ought to come. You'd love to have a Christian home. You don't have it. There's hope. Is there anybody at all in this Sunday morning service before we go that would ask Jesus to save you? Come see me. Come on, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll turn the mic off. You and I will pray. It's time. Today is the day of salvation. It's time. Your Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens. There are people around you that have responded for prayer and you know their burden. Would you, would you choose somebody around you who responded and bow your head and pray for their situation? Will you cross this room, have a word of prayer for those around you? Maybe in this church, every one of you are aware of a family falling apart. Why don't you pray for them? There's a God in heaven. You know the need. I don't know because I'm a guest preacher, but you know. Pray, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father in heaven, breathe on this service. Do a miracle in somebody's home. Start that miracle today. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to us. Help us to take steps of obedience. Lord, could I be so bold as to ask you to increase our faith? We don't believe that you can do this. God, we don't believe that you can change our home. 
We don't believe that You can overcome the problems and the failures of the past. Help us to believe. Increase our faith. Help every daddy to walk out of here believing that if he'll take the right steps, he can have a godly home and a godly legacy for all the days of his life and his own kids and his own grandkids. Lord, maybe there's a single person here or a widow lady or a widower and they're done raising kids, but they these, these older ones are done, but Lord, they still have a ministry and encourage them to believe and to seek You and to pray. These that are single, Lord, You want them to put You first, to serve You fearfully so You can bless them in their singleness. God, you got to help us. These next five services, these five services, Lord, bring those here who really need it and do a miracle. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank